0: Oh yeah, we're back. Another great episode of the Map Baxter Show, hanging out with John Bostock. John is a co-founder and CEO of Truman's. He's a best-selling author. He's an ex-GE and big-ass fans, early-stage consumer uh, investor. He's just down to earth. He's a good man. He's a leader. He's a contributor to the Forbes Business Council. I mean, there's just not much he hasn't done. He is just a phenomenal, phenomenal guy. I really enjoyed chatting with him. I enjoyed hearing his story. I, I think he also just recently went through an exit. So there's just a lot of a lot of really, really cool things happen in his life. He's down to earth. And I I I I mean Yes, you know, he may even be a private equity guy, which sometimes don't, those don't always get the best reputations, a little cutthroat, but I would actually consider him to be the complete opposite. He's down to earth. He's humble. He's willing to learn. He's willing to help people. And so for anybody tuning in, I would highly encourage you to listen to this, especially if you're just trying to get get started in the business world, lost in the business world, or just you know uncertain about what's next for you. He just dropped some awesome wisdom on the show. And uh, John... Just, just want to say thank you. This episode is awesome, and I hope everybody enjoys it just as much as I did. John, thanks for being a guest on this podcast.
1: Yeah, it's incredible to talk with you today. You know, it's we're finally reaching a point where the weather is turning, and we can hopefully get outside and start living our lives a little bit and enjoying the world around us.
0: So, I just was in uh, West Palm Beach uh, and Fort Myers last week. I'm in Michigan this week, and I'm in. Uh, and I'm in California next week, and Michigan this week, I think is uh, just as nice as the other ones, which is phenomenal, because you usually don't get that during this time of year.
1: You know, it's crazy hearing you say that. It's almost as if COVID doesn't exist, traveling <laughs> all that. But, you know, I'll tell you, it, it is interesting to see how the weather patterns are just shifting all over the place. I live in New Orleans, and it's been amazing down here. The weather is beautiful. We're supposed to get some pretty crazy weather here, uh, coming up soon, but it's, it's been absolutely gorgeous.
0: Love it. Love it. So, uh, give me the story. Give me the life story.
1: Yeah. So I grew up in a small town called Amherst mass in a really diverse, uh, environment. And my family always taught me that if you wanted something, you had to go out and get it. So my grandparents, as an example, came to the United States, uh, from different countries. They didn't grow up here. So I was really raised in this very dynamic environment, went to a small boarding school in Vermont then went to another small school called Guilford College in North Carolina, played baseball down there and ultimately found my way to wanting to be an entrepreneur. And, and I think as most entrepreneurs will tell you, number one, it's hard. And number two, you fail a lot. So I failed miserably and went back. Just,
0: just real quick, just so you're aware, you're talking to a fellow scatterbrained entrepreneur. So uh, I can echo that I, I I strike out probably nine out of 10 times, if not 99 out of 100 times. So I'm with you. I'm with That's you there
1: for good, sure. It's a good ratio. I, I <laughs> That's what I
0: think. <laughs> 99
1: out of 100 sounds amazing. You had that one. And so I ultimately went back to business school and it was kind of this Interesting choice because I felt like I wanted to be an entrepreneur on one hand. I wanted to have some freedom, but at the same point, I felt like I needed to learn. So I went back to business school. I met a uh, very, very interesting individual uh, from the GE company, from General Electric, during my time uh, in business school. And ultimately, she talked me into joining that big company. So I found myself going in an unexpected direction, would have never guessed in a million years that business school would have led to working for a big company like GE, but it did. And so I did that um, for what was supposed to be two years. I did it for 11 um, before I ultimately developed the courage to walk away from it. And I did that. And I ultimately went in and joined forces with a guy who had built an amazing company. I helped him rethink his company and sell it. And we finished that sale a few years back. And then I started a company called Truman's and we just completed a transaction and process related for that company so i'm kind of at this very interesting point in life where you almost take a step back and you think you've got all this time to do certain things Um, with truman specifically it almost felt like that experience at undergrad where you show up on day one you think you've got four more years ahead of you to live life and have fun and play baseball and then all of a sudden you wake up and it's graduation day and you've got that diploma and you've got to figure out what to do with the rest of your time that's kind of like how I feel right now. So it's an interesting <laughs> moment in time, and so I'm uh,
0: catching you at like the perfect time to do some soul searching and everything like that. It should be good.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's right. You're my you're my first conversation after we uh, sent that note on Monday that we had signed a deal on Friday.
0: Well, n- number one, congratulations uh, on not just that, but all all the success leading up to it. Uh, my, my first question is the. Uh, Two-year deal deal with GE that turned into eleven-year eleven-year uh, thing, so everybody loves ripping on corporate and this, that, and the other. And you don't need to disclose anything about GE that you're not comfortable with. But uh, your experience corporate versus being an entrepreneur versus running businesses was it was it what it cracks up to be as as far as people hate it? Did you actually enjoy it? What'd you like? What you didn't like?
1: Well, Matt, I love the teaser, so I talk a lot about it in my book, right?
0: <laughs> well, per- I, I, perfect. Let's, let's get it then. <laughs> no, I'm,
1: I'm completely kidding. But look, the reality is I do explore it because it was a very personal time working for GE, and it was a personal time writing a book about it. And the book is called The Elephant's Dilemma. And ultimately, when I think about big companies, I think about that situation where, for the most part, You go back to that story I told about my grandparents coming to this country, ultimately not really knowing what they were getting themselves into. Well, fast forward to my career. I was working for a big company and felt stuck. And so I wrote this book called The Elephant's Dilemma because in many ways we're trained to be like that. You think of an elephant that grew up in the circus, they're tethered to a pole from a very young age when they grow big and strong. They don't realize how easy it would be to literally walk right out the door of the circus. And we find ourselves in these big companies that, by the way, act like circuses, and we don't walk away and we find ourselves frustrated. We find ourselves feeling like we want to do more, um, but we just can't find the platform and we can't find the courage. And so, look, I think there is a lot of good with companies like GE. You learn operational rigor. You're certainly challenged. You build incredible networks. You see how the world works in a very unique way. You see short cycles and long cycles. You see a lot. And you get to experience a lot of the business, but I, I don't think anything can really prepare you for the emotional swings and the business challenge of going out and starting your own thing. I think it's it's extraordinarily hard. And I think that if you can somehow blend the idea of being an entrepreneur, the idea of taking big leaps with a big company environment, I think that's the magical formula, um, because I think both extremes are bad, but it, it certainly is a significant contrast when you look at one versus the other.
0: So it's funny you brought up, um, the book number one, uh, I'll make sure to include that in show notes so people can, uh, buy it, take a peek at it, read it the whole, the whole bit. Um, but it's also, I think like a year ago or six months ago, whenever I originally reached out to you, one one of the things I was truth be told intrigued by was the elephant piece. Um, so, you know, elephants are my favorite animal and like I get, my, my grandmother, for example, has traveled to like tons of different countries and she brought back an elephant from each one. It's just something that elephants are important to me. Um, and so when, when, I, when I heard the title of the book and then also saw I think you either posted something about it. That, that was something that was fascinating to me. So that, there you have it.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think it's, it's one of those visuals and one of those ideas that everyone can relate to. And ultimately, we're all big and strong. We can go out and do anything we want to do. We just have to have the courage to do it.
0: So when you, I guess, what was the, you may have touched on this a bit, but what, what was like the, the true moment that you're like, all right, I realize maybe not fully what I'm capable of, but you at least realize I'm at least willing to try. What what, what Did you have a moment? Did you have a season? What was like the kind of the, the transition of that?
1: I think that's a, a a phenomenal question because number one, we're all capable of it, right? Yep. So there isn't one person who is in a better position to do it versus someone else. I think every single one of us looks at the world in a very unique way. And look, entrepreneurship is special and it's creative, but there is no right or wrong answer.
0: Oh my gosh. You're, you're, you're talking to the guy again, who makes 99 out of a hundred errors. And so there's no right answer, but sometimes the one finds it's hundred percent. I completely, I could not relate more.
1: Right. And so when you look at the reality of it, it's not about, being able to do it as an individual. It's being able, hey, hold on one second. My dog yep. is about to
0: <laughs> No problem. So we'll have,
1: to, we'll have to edit that out, obviously. Not
0: a problem, we'll make sure to take that out. No problem.
1: So do you wanna ask a question again and I'll go back or do you want me to just pick up?
0: Um, yeah, I'll just, I'll just start it over and we can uh, roll through it. You ready to go?
1: Yeah, uh, sure, why don't you ask and then I'll go.
0: Perfect. So, you obviously at some point in time t- decided to take the leap, or you realized how strong you were uh, to go ahead and leave corporate. So, for you, was that like a season of life? Was that like a moment, or like what ultimately was like the realization that you're like, "Yep, I can do this," or at least I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna give it a try.
1: Yeah, I, I think we all have it in us to do it. We all have these creative moments. We all have these ideas we're not short of coming up with better ways of doing something. I think what we're short of is the willingness to go out and do it and the courage to do it. And so what I would tell everyone is number one, look, you're smart enough to do it. I don't think of myself as this incredibly bright individual. I just happen to be someone who sees opportunity and is willing to go after it. So the biggest thing, the biggest challenge that we all face is truly breaking free, is this idea that we've got to break the chain and go out and go after what it is we want to go after. Now, look, hopefully we choose things that make the world a better place and we're all more kind to each other. But the bottom line is that every individual has those, those moments where they're looking at themselves in the mirror, they're driving to work. They're thinking, I've got a better way of doing something. We've got it in us. And there is no right or wrong answer, right? There is no entrepreneurial police that says, oh, you're going in the wrong direction, you've got to pull over. Um, look, your numbers are your numbers, you do well. And if, if you build something and it works, um, you've accomplished a great thing. So
0: in your experience, you've obviously, uh, uh, well, you just alluded to the fact that you're not afraid to try, right? And you're not afraid to give it a chance. So what would you say out of your career? And in this, this doesn't have to be work related. This could also be personal, again, whatever you're comfortable sharing, but like, what was like the biggest risk you think you took? Like if you're looking back and you're like, yeah, this is, that was actually, that was not dumb, but that was a big risk compared to what you normally have done.
1: You know, I think that risks are multidimensional and risks are different at different stages of life. And as an example, when I was young and graduating from business school, I thought that it would have been extraordinarily risky. To continue to try an entrepreneur, I felt like I needed to make money. And I felt like I needed a salary like one that GE offered because it would give me the comfort in life to go out and buy things and, and do things that I wanted to do. Um, the irony of that is the risk that I felt right now is significantly different as it relates to the risk today. So if you look at my life today, I've got kids, and I live in, in New Orleans, as I mentioned, and we want to obviously provide for our kids in a way that gives them opportunity. And in fact, I'm helping my 10 year old start a company. And so you want to provide a platform to help your kids grow. And, and so now my risk equation is completely different. Yet at the time, I looked at it in the opposite way. Right. And so um, When you look at risk today, a lot of it is around making sure that the future is secure for your family and those around you. But the bottom line is you're willing to take bigger leaps because of the things that you've done in the past. And so I don't look at starting a company as this crazy step and crazy leap because I kind of understand how it works. I I understand the risks and I understand the pitfalls that ultimately can, can negatively impact where I'm going. But look, it, it's, it, it changes and it shifts. And I don't know that we can say that at 20 years old, you can define risk in the same way that you're going to define it at 40. And I don't think that having kids or not having kids, you can say that I look at risk in the same way with kids as I as I would without. So I think there are just a lot of life variables that impact your tolerance of risk and the, the way you're looking at solving problems.
0: I love that. and and uh, for context, I'm twenty seven, don't have kids, um, have so this current business is my second company. and I totally agree that, There are certain things that I've been capable and able to do from a, let's in some regards risk, but also like just purely because I don't have a family to provide for. So like traveling nonstop, and I'm not saying uh, married people haven't been able to figure that out as well too, but there's times where I can hop up and travel to a a partner client like that day if I need to, that uh, maybe not have been able to been done with a wife and kids or whatever it may be. And and again, not that people haven't been able to figure that out, but I'm also beginning to think like next stage of life, next stage of life, where, where are some areas of my life that I probably should trim out and remove uh, to be able to kind of talk about what you're saying and provide in different ways and maybe a little bit more stability. But yeah, it's 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 interesting to hear you say that. I appreciate that.
1: Yeah. It's just, look, it's it's the reality of our lives. And as we grow, things change and variables change. And I think we have to recognize that for many of those reasons why we may have been tethered to a big company like GE, well, there's good reason for it, and I think you have to understand why you make certain decisions and, and why you avoid others, but I think what what I want people to understand is that when you have those moments, literally, right, you have those moments where you feel like you want to do something different, you can find someone to support you and get you there, and that's the part that I think people miss. I think, I think in general, people don't realize that there are people out there who are willing to raise their hand and help and help you figure out how to do something that you want to do and help you make a bigger impact. And I think that's the bit that, you know, a lot of people assume, well, you've got to leave your high paying job at GE to go do something else. Not really. There are a lot of steps that you can take to start feeling like you're in more control. And there are things that you can do outside of that environment to feel like you can make a bigger impact.
0: And I'll I'll add on that. <clears throat> I think at different stages of your life, there's different different demographic of people that are willing to support you. So, um, for like, I went to a, a college in West Michigan that has an amazing alumni base. And when I started my business in college and then launching out of college, it was shocking to me how many alumni out of the blue. Uh, would either hear about what we're trying you know hear about the business or saw you know how, whatever context and just be willing to help and that and and I I mean I just think in general people love helping entrepreneurs but whether you're a father and you're a part of groups that are other father entrepreneurs or a mother and a group of other mother entrepreneurs or whatever the context is I think there's certain areas of life that like there's groups that will rally around you but then to even take it one step further I, I think people in general, love to help entrepreneurs, partly because people love helping others pursue their dream. But then additionally on that, I think there's some people who just say, I wish I could have done it at some point in my life. I can't now or for whatever reason. So I want to support you. And that's cool too. So I, I echo that.
1: Completely agree. One of the most valuable things I'm doing right now is volunteering my time as a college professor. And
0: That's cool. What are you teaching?
1: I'm teaching a marketing and entrepreneurship class. And
0: you know, that, I, seems somewhat, that seems somewhat fitting. Can't really figure out why, but <laughs> I'm just uh, kidding.
1: <laughs> no, it's, 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 it's a lot of fun, but, you know, ultimately I, I think it goes to the point that you and I are discussing, which is there are people out there who want to help and want to do good. And, and for me, I mentioned people willing to raise their hand. I've certainly raised my hand and I'm working with these students. And, you know, I love the diversity of the group. I love that they're coming up with, big ideas that are just different from ideas that you see uh, coming out of uh, normal pitches. I I see a lot of pitches every day, but there's a spark with these, these students that, you know, I just haven't seen. And so it's, it's awesome. And I think that, you know, the more that we can do to work with people and guide them and coach them, uh, the better. And yeah, I mean, look, I, I think for anyone listening who, wants to give back and wants to raise their hand and and help others things like that make a huge difference you know those those kids not only are they going to learn more about business but we're talking about the fact that it's okay to take a leap the fact that they can do anything they want to do we reinforce that and so coming out of a class like that i think they're better for it they learn to think they learn to look at the world in a different way they meet other entrepreneurs we talk about real things it's all reality based so you know, I think um, I think that's what we need to do more of, and I think we just need to support each other in those types of ways.
0: I 100% agree. And and one of the things I'm curious about uh, teaching entrepreneurship in a, a uh, uh, academic setting have you had to sort of uproot some of the uh, methodical or process orientation of some of the ways people think and like. I guess what I'm getting at is, uh, as you know, entrepreneurship uh, can be messy and there's no right way and wrong way. So have you had to sort of explain or uproot or teach some of that with some of your students?
1: Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I stress is understanding the context of why businesses decisions are made and what the entrepreneur saw at the moment they decided to take the leap. And so the framework that we follow is one built on Audio files, audio case studies, typically a How I Built This Episode. And the students will listen to a founder and we will explore what they saw at the moment they started the company. Because the idea is to be able to think about the market and think about opportunity in ways that create value. It's not necessarily about studying a pricing strategy or studying the, the core components of a marketing campaign. Entrepreneurship is about identifying opportunity and then figuring out how to connect the dots to make that opportunity real and to turn it into a product or service that you're ultimately going to bring to par- to market. So it's it's a lot about thinking, and it's a lot about understanding how the market works, where the market is going. And then there's that point of courage. And what I love about hearing directly from founders, and this is why we invite founders in to talk, is you hear the raw authenticity of the ups and downs. And you you cannot find an entrepreneur out there who has not been through rough times, who has not felt the low lows and the high highs. And so ultimately, this framework is happening in real time. We're talking about companies that are growing like crazy now. We're talking about founders who saw a real opportunity and took a huge leap. And we're willing to say, you know what, in parallel, let's also work on our own business plans. And let's think about what we can learn from the businesses that we're doing as cases, and apply it. And let's learn to think, let's learn to be agile, and let's learn to understand the context of why business works.
0: Do you have an absolute favorite part about entrepreneurship?
1: I think it's the individual side. I think it's, 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 it reminds me a lot of the first time I ran one hour and then the first time I ran a half marathon, those moments where you feel like you've accomplished something really, really big. I think what I love about entrepreneurship is, is someone had an idea and they created something out of nothing. And it's that individual leap. It's that individual accomplishment. And that's, I think the most exceptional part is this idea that humans can do anything. And it's it's ultimately up to us to keep dreaming bigger and to keep pushing the world forward faster and in more dynamic ways. That's the best part of it is, is the human element. It's this human celebration of forward-moving activity.
0: I love that. I love that. So speaking of forward-moving uh, activity, tell me a little bit more about your recent business and uh, life. What's what's next? But I'd love to I'd love to dive in a bit to to, to your
1: recent company and uh, what all happened there. Yeah, we created a company called Truman's and the concept was pretty simple. It was let's look at a supply chain that was built for legacy business. And let's also look at branding opportunities and build a better brand. And so for us, where we saw clear opportunity was in cleaning products. If you look at cleaning products like a bottle of Windex today, it's shipped from a factory to a distribution center to a home, and it's mostly water. And so we knew that there was a better way of doing business. So we built Truman's on this idea that we didn't need to ship water. We would only ship you the concentrates. And we knew that it would ultimately radically transform the supply chain when you introduce new technologies like that into the market. And so ultimately, when you look at the business, it was created to solve a pretty big problem, which is a broken supply chain. Now, none of us could have anticipated that COVID would come and the cleaning category would go through more transformation in a single year than it had in the previous 10. But what ultimately we saw was that brand mattered less. So our thesis around branding and building an authentic brand and supply chain, the value of fixing supply chains was so high. And so we took a hard look at our business and said, look, we've got technology that simplifies supply chain. We've got technology that can make products move faster. So when we're faced with issues like COVID, you're not walking into a Costco or a Walmart and not seeing product on the shelf. Ultimately, when you have technology that allows products to reduce in size, that allows manufacturers to move faster, delivered at the same cost, there's value there. And so we took a step back and assessed our business. And we had inbound from strategics. There were strategics who would check in with us literally ever since the day we announced the company and say, you know, would you be open to allowing for something creative with, with your technology, your platform? And, you know, we kind of brushed it aside. I think what, what COVID showed us was that the market only needs this technology in a bigger way and when we set out to really change the way the industry works we meant it we didn't just say we wanted to change the way the industry works for trumans we said we wanted to change the way the industry works and so we had a chance to um, partner in, in a strategic acquisition type of way um, to allow for our technology to to become a part of a much larger and global company's uh, portfolio and this allows them to really radically transform their global supply chain there are in a lot of very meaningful business to business categories that, frankly, we, frankly, we'll see a lot of efficiency and innovation. So, you know, for us, it was a very difficult decision because you ultimately, you know, you don't start something and imagine just two short years later, you're not going to be a part of it. But I think when you understand that value is best driven by a company of global scale already, that doesn't need follow on investment, that doesn't need to invest in building its own infrastructure, it's more of a plug and play. I think it makes a lot of sense. So in the end, we chose to go in that direction. Um, and, you know, I think what you'll see is the spirit of, of what we wanted to do realized in a global way. Um, there's certainly some aspects of how we wanted to go to market that that company is not going to follow. But, you know, look, I, I, I think we're, we're just proud to be a part of changing an industry.
0: Well, again, I think I said this earlier, but congratulations. Uh, Number one, I I know it wasn't necessarily part of the plan, but to start and sell a company in technology within two years is uh, starting a company is hard. Selling a company is hard, but also doing it in that rapid pace of time uh, is pretty phenomenal. So uh not pretty phenomenal it's extraordinary so congratulations on that um and it, it, you know it's interesting that the businesses that boomed um in the covid world i own a video interview software company and never would i've anticipated that we were getting off the ground getting off the ground getting off the ground and then boom covid hits and our business starts to take off so what a weird phenomenon and you know you don't want to be the funeral home director smiling but in the but also at the same time like you, you alluded to earlier like what was the entrepreneur's opportunity that they pursued and, and you just go after him to do it. So anyways, congr- I just want to say congratulations.
1: Yeah. Thanks. As I said, it is one of those moments that you wake up and you feel like, Holy cow. Now I've got to feel like now I've, I've, I've got to go do something else. And so there is some anxiety that comes with it and you never know if you made the right decision. You never know if, if you, um, you know, if you did the right thing, but I think in the end, you've got to believe in the direction you've got to believe in, in the choices you make. And you've got to believe that um, you'll find something else to do. And, you know, it's it's hard. I mean, it's look, I'm 44. I've got young kids. As I said, I'm helping my 10 year old start a company. And it's it's incredibly exciting to see the world from his eyes. But, you know, I look at the world around me and I just see so much opportunity. And sometimes I feel like I can't even run fast enough um, to to take advantage of the opportunity. I think I just need some time to to kind of sit back and, and think about the world and and think about what I want to do.
0: So uh, this is the worst question to ask based upon what you just answered. Uh, Do you see yourself taking a step back and getting involved in a lot of different things, or do you see yourself taking a step back and finding the right thing to put majority of your time now, I would imagine, and I'm going to hedge a bet to say that somebody like you likes to be decently involved in multiple different things, but like your true amount of time and energy, would it be, you know, more advisory with a bunch of different stuff? Or would you actually, you know, sink your teeth into really going after one thing?
1: Yeah, I think value is is best delivered with focus. And so for me, I'm going to spend the majority of my time on one thing. It doesn't mean that I'm not going to help other entrepreneurs because I love doing that. And it doesn't mean that I'm not going to continue teaching young students to become entrepreneurs. But I think we're all best suited, focused on one area and becoming really, really good at that one area and ultimately using your effort to make that singular thing that you're focused on special and different. Um, the, the folks I know who spread their time too thin, never end up adding value within any one of the pillars that they're focused on. And so I'm going to take my own advice and say, look, I'll, I'll find something to focus the bulk of my time on with that said, I'm happy to help others, but they'll go into the situation knowing that my time is spent on a singular thing and, and to make that singular thing work really well.
0: Yeah. That's so good so if you had uh if you if you had the desired impact that you left in somebody's life what would you want that impact to be
1: i think i would love to inspire people to know that throughout history we have taken big leaps to make the world a better place and a stronger community you know back when our ancestors came to the united states they came with a vision that this country was going to be collaborative, supportive. It was going to be a melting pot of ideas and forward-looking innovation. And for some reason, we put walls up around the countries that we live in. And I think that we forget we're all part of a global community. And not only are we part of a global community, that frankly, we're all the same. And we're all facing the same challenges. We're all facing gun violence. We're all facing disease, we're facing hunger issues, we're facing these macro challenges. And what people need to start thinking about is forward looking innovation that solves some of the biggest issues we face. Because if we don't have entrepreneurs focused on solving those issues, then entrepreneurs are not going to have products and services to sell. And they're not going to have people to buy those products and services. If we're constantly living in turmoil, and we're constantly facing pandemics that shut down our supply chains and shut down our manufacturing sites, we're not going to be able to work and we're not going to be able to move. And so I'd really love it if people walk away and say, here's an individual who looked at the past and changed his way of thinking based on the way our ancestors took risk. As we look forward, will our ancestors respect the work that we did? Will they look back and say, They were maniacally focused on new ideas and innovations that made the world a better place. Or was it self-serving or was it to simply make money? And I I just think that the more that we can look forward, the more that we can imagine a world that our ancestors thought it was going to be, uh, the better we are.
0: That's, uh, that's a good word. And, uh, basically it's a motivational talk right at me. So thank you for that. <laughs> um, my, uh, my favorite, my favorite question on the planet is, uh, what is it that gets you out of bed in the morning? And I guess, you know, you can answer that in the context of 20 uh, year old you, uh, if that's the same as 30 year old you, if that's different, you know, than, than 44 year old you and what do you think it's going to be? But I, I guess at the end of the day, uh, you're doing a lot and you've already done a lot. And, and, and what is it in your life that, uh, gets you out of bed in the morning, keeps doing, keeps, keeps doing all that.
1: Well, right now it's my kids. I think, I think my measure of success right now is looking at them and seeing that they're going to make a positive contribution to this world. And you know, the fact that my 10 year old wants to go out and create a company. Now, look, it's not a, a a big thing that's going to change the world and make it a better place, but it's a step. And I, I think things like that, it's, it's really exciting to kind of wake up and, see these little eyes look at you and experiencing the world um in a new way and you know look we can remember back when we were five or ten like my two kids the world was this amazingly special place this amazingly creative environment where there was so much unknown well this is their time and so my job and my duty when i wake up is to make sure that i'm giving them every chance uh, they have to to explore, learn, and, and make a huge impact on the world.
0: Yeah, that's so good. So for anybody that wants to follow along with what you're doing potentially next, uh, to find the book, to reach out to you, to connect with you, what is the best way for them to do that?
1: LinkedIn. I'm very active on that platform. Um, in fact, my co-founder and I developed a huge following just during our time with Truman's um, I think people are surprised at how um, much we use humor in our day-to-day life. Um, yep. <laughs> so you'll enjoy the interactions on LinkedIn. My book um, is on Amazon, The Elfin's Dilemma. I also write um, at times for Forbes so you can check me out in a variety of different places.
0: Yeah. I love that. Well, John, seriously, this has been a joy and uh, you've inspired me and I just want to say thank you. This has uh, been been fantastic. Is there anything else you want to leave the audience with?
1: No, I love it. I'd say in the end, no one is going to give you permission. You have to know that you can go out and do it and you can do anything you want to do. You just have to take that leap.
0: It's a blank canvas and we get to be the artists. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Love that. John, thank you so much. Take care.